Hey, Jesus, we just say you deserve the glory. All honor, all praise, our absolute best, all we have, we give to you. You deserve it because you're worthy. When the sun is shining, you're worthy. When the clouds are gathering, you're worthy. When our world is full of just peace and joy and everything's going great, you're worthy. When everything seems to be falling apart, you're worthy. And we thank you, God, you promised to presence yourself in the praises of your people. So as we say you're worthy, praise is filling every single room. And we thank you, God, that the great promise maker is the grand promise keeper, and you are presencing yourself with us right now. So Jesus, you're welcome. Have your way. Worthy God, we love you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You all can grab your seats. Turn to your neighbors and just let them know it's good to see you at church this morning at the 9.15 gathering. All of our campuses, good morning. It's good seeing you. I hope the sun is shining and the birds are singing where you are. The sun is definitely shining here in Anderson. And uh, the sun shines just a little bit brighter, you know what I'm saying, after a college football win. And so I know Clemson fans are smiling, South Carolina fans are smiling, down in Myrtle Beach, our Coastal Carolina fans are smiling, and, um, and it's really good to be able to worship God together uh, this glorious Sunday morning. Uh, for those who don't know, my name's Dan Leanne, one of the teaching pastors here, love you so much. Even though I haven't met many of you in person, if you see me in public, give me a massive hug, fist bump, high five, I am here for all of it. Uh, we're in the middle of a series called No Other Gospel, and this series is all about the greatest news ever delivered to humanity. There has never been a time in history where as good news was shared with people like you and me. And let's refresh ourselves on what this gospel, what this good news is. The gospel is the good news that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead so that through faith in him, we can be made right with God and enjoy life with him forever. Come on, let that blow your mind. Come on, let that make your heart race. Let that make your skin tingle just a little bit. That God loved you so much, he gave you his son Jesus to die on a cross on your behalf so that you could enter into a full, abundant, overflowing, come on, victorious life in him and through him. This is great news. But like all news, news can be messed up and news can be messed with. Like all beautiful things, it can be counterfeited and it can be faked. And we have to consistently and continually come back to the scriptures and ask the Spirit of God to lead us in a conversation about what the good and glorious real news is. And that's what this whole series has been about, and it is important. It's a matter of abundant life and death. It's a matter of eternal life and death. So here we are, week four. I get the opportunity to jump into Galatians chapter four, but first, let me pray. Dear Jesus, help, amen. Good, real news. Hey, I went to a football game two Saturdays ago in Charlotte, and uh, I have never seen a crowd so wild. 
trying to get into the stadium. I've been to a national championship before. I've been to a couple of bowl games. I have never seen the crowd and the energy like I saw two Saturdays ago in Charlotte. It took me one hour to get into the stadium. All the barriers were basically knocked down and there was a crowd shuffling towards these turnstiles and these ticket people. And, and we finally get to the front of the line. And finally, I'm thinking to myself, I'm gonna be able to get into the stadium and find my seat, buy myself a Diet Coke, and, and I'm excited to get in, but then there is a drama in front of me. The three people in front of me had bought counterfeit tickets. They had waited in line for an hour, they got to the front, the ticket person tried to scan their tickets a couple of times, couldn't do it. A security guard came around, looked at the tickets closer, and informed them that they had bought counterfeit tickets. I felt so bad for them. I nearly felt so bad, I wanted to give them my ticket. Nearly so bad. <laughs> and then it hit me, what a shame. You spent all of that money, you stood in line for an hour just to get to the gate to find that you had a counterfeit ticket. I wonder how many people in the state of South Carolina today are holding onto a counterfeit gospel. I wonder how many people sitting maybe even in our New Spring gatherings are holding onto a fake gospel. You don't know about it, you thought you paid good money for it, but the reality is someone tricked you along the way or you bought into an incomplete or an errant gospel and now you're sitting here totally oblivious to that fact. And the reality is, since the beginning of the church 2,000 years ago, there have been counterfeits in circulation. There have been fakes in circulation. In fact, most of the New Testament was written in response to the counterfeits and the fakes that were rising even there in the first century church. That's the reason the book of Galatians was written. And now some of you guys might say, what's the big deal, Dan? Like, why are you being so kind of dramatic about it? Isn't it just semantics? Isn't it just someone's take on the gospel against someone else's take on the gospel? What's the big deal if I'm sitting here right now having bought into a fake gospel? Isn't it just you know, my purity of heart? Isn't it just my, my genuineness and the way I relate to the gospel that I receive that's gonna get me into heaven and help me live an abundant life? Well, the Bible makes it clear the answer is no. This is a very important subject. It's a matter of life and death, literally. It's a matter of eternal life and eternal death. The, the scariest words that came out of Jesus' mouth, in my opinion, are found in the book of Matthew chapter seven. He's talking about a day that will come where people who are so confident on earth will find themselves standing before Jesus and they're gonna say to Jesus, didn't we do all these religious things for you? Didn't we perform signs and wonders? Weren't we consistent in our attendance at that church? And Jesus is gonna to say to them, away from me. I never really knew you. Or in other words, you bought into something, you thought I came to deliver to you, but someone tricked you along the line and now you're gonna to have to turn around and walk away. This." series is literally a matter of life and death, eternal life and eternal death. And if not eternal life or eternal death, this series or this, this conversation about the real gospel is a matter of abundant life 
and death. There are so many people who live life wound up, bound up, ground up by religiosity and legalism. They aren't experiencing the freedom and the joy and the power and the fullness that Jesus came so far to give. And if you keep buying into this fake, incomplete, half gospel, you may go through your entire life and end up like one of those individuals talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter three. You get to the end of your life, you're standing before God, he's judging everything about your life with fire, and everything about your life is burnt away. All the money you made, the certificates on your wall, all of your social media following, all of the acreage that you get to hunt on, those cool cars in your garage, it's all burnt away and you are let through into heaven, but like one escaping through the flames. What a sad picture. Someone because they did not understand the full and glorious gospel wasted their life. That's the reason the book of Galatians was written, to help us distinguish the difference between a counterfeit and the genuine article, the fake and the real. In Galatians chapter one, the apostle Paul is talking about how many of us have bought into another gospel, but it's no real gospel at all. When you really break down this faith that you're building your life upon, it isn't good news, it's bad news. It's incomplete news, and many people have bought into it. Galatians chapter two talks about how everyone or anyone can fall for it. In fact, in Galatians chapter two, you'll see this argument between Paul and Peter. That's right, Peter, the guy who was told he'd be the rock on which the church was built. Peter, you know, the one who walked on water. Peter, the one who was restored by Jesus. That same Peter started to buy into a less than beautiful, glorious, real gospel. And then you get to Galatians chapter three, and the apostle Paul talks about how there are some people peddling this false gospel because they don't know better, and some are actually getting something out of tricking you. And now we get to Galatians chapter four, where the apostle Paul lovingly and brilliantly helps us start understanding how to differentiate between the fake and the real, the counterfeit and the genuine article. So that's what we're gonna do together for our remaining minutes together. We're gonna look in Galatians chapter four and start identifying the difference between the fake gospel that many people have bought into and the real gospel that alone can set you free now here on earth and into forever. If you got your Bibles, would you go with me to the book of Galatians chapter four. Galatians chapter four, verse four. Let me read it for you in my cool Asian Australian accent. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons and his daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. What a beautiful, beautiful insight into what the glorious real gospel is. 
If you're taking down notes, pull out your leather-bound journals and your pens right now, I say this all the time, you don't need to take notes to get into heaven. I'm just saying, why take a chance? You know what I'm saying? That was a joke. I'm messing around. Hey, if you have the New Spring app, open it up. You can follow along. All the notes are in there. If you haven't downloaded the New Spring app, you might want to do that right now. I'm just going to make three observations. They're going to show us the difference between a very popular fake gospel in the earth, in South Carolina today, and the real gospel. And my heart's hope, my heart's prayer is about, in about 12 minutes' time, we're going to allow the Spirit of God to do a healing work, to do a freeing work, to do a powerful work. Let's talk about differentiating the fake gospel and the real gospel, the counterfeit and the glorious, beautiful gospel that Jesus came to give. The first differentiation is this. The fake gospel is all about activity. The real gospel is about adoption. Come on, the fake gospel is all about what you do, what you achieve, what you earn, the boxes you check off, the religious things you do. The real gospel is all about adoption. Can you see it here in verse four and five? But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. 2,000 years ago, Paul was dealing with this lie in the church that God is only okay with you when you get your lives together. There are all of these laws, 10 commandments, 600 moral laws. There were thousands of additional laws connected to those laws. And here in the Galatian church, there was a massive issue. People were being turned away from God because they were being told they hadn't done enough Jewish things to come into the kingdom. The Galatians were trapped in a lie. They had to become something before they could feel like they belonged to God. It was making their altar calls really difficult. Could you imagine being in a church service and then the preacher at the end with the keyboardist in the background is saying, no matter who you are or where you're at, Jesus has come to die for your sins and you just need to respond today. And then the keyboard, all to Jesus I surrender. And then, and, then, and then you start walking forward. You see people walking forward saying yes to Jesus. And then at the altar is someone waiting for him with a rusty knife saying, let's get some male circumcision going. Oh, to him I freely. And that's what's happening. And it broke Paul's heart. That's what happens in the church even here in South Carolina today. It's the things that you do. It's the boxes you check. It's the service you attend. You can't drink, you can't smoke, you can't cuss, you can't dance, partly because it's evil and partly because you can't. <laughs> During the fast songs, you've got to jump up really high because the higher you jump, the closer you are to God. During the slow songs, you've got to look sad and constipated because the sadder you look, the happier God is. You've got to remember those Bible verses. You have to attend those. Now, get it clear. I watch what I drink. Get it clear. I read my Bible and I pray every day. Get it clear. I love coming along to church because my brothers and sisters are here. Get it clear. I try to live a moral and a good life, but recognize this. None of these things get me into heaven. The false gospel is do, do, do. The real gospel is look at what God has done, done, done. And that's what gets us in. It's not your activity, it's adoption. I love adoption. It's very rare in Australia. 
I would say even as a pastor at a, at a really big church in Melbourne, Australia, I only could count maybe two or three families I knew of who had adopted children. But here in South Carolina, and especially here at New Spring Church, fostering and adoption is so highly valued. And it's been so beautiful to journey with friends of mine into adoption. I'm thinking about the Tippets and their gorgeous girl, Millie. I'm thinking about the Bagwells and, and their journey to come into um, adoption. Uh, my, my neighbors, uh, the Wrights, John and Cortland, uh, they have adopted boys, uh, Brazil and Ballard. In fact, yesterday we were all hanging out and having a good wrestle, and, and, uh, and I was looking at those two boys, uh, Ballard and Brazil, and, and this hit me. Those boys did nothing to get into that family, but John and Cortland went through so much to make them theirs. I want you to hear this. I know that you've been spun this lie up to this point. Maybe someone told you this because they didn't know better themselves. Maybe someone had an insidious agenda. I don't know how you came to this conclusion, but there are some people who have heard that they aren't good enough for God because they've done too many bad things and they haven't done enough good things. That is a fake, false gospel. It's not about what you do, do, do. Come on, it's about what God has done, done, done. And he did everything required by sending his son, living a perfect life, standing trial that he didn't need to stand, dying a death that we should have died, fighting a battle that we would have lost so that we could live forever. Come on, can someone say a good amen to this glorious gospel on this Sunday morning? The second differentiation is this. I want you to write this one down. The fake gospel ends at salvation. The real gospel begins with salvation and continues to Holy Spirit transformation. The fake gospel ends at salvation. You pray the prayer, that's it. I was having a conversation earlier this week with a young man that I journey with at Waffle House and he was just talking about how difficult it has been for him in the last 10 years trying to walk with Jesus. Because he never felt like, you know, he did enough or, or he was good enough or he, he didn't understand that the Holy Spirit was living inside of him, trying to empower him, trying to help him understand who he was, who he is, and who he is meant to be. Because he was brought up in a church like a lot of you were brought up in. It's all about just about, you know, lifting your hand and praying that prayer and, hey, good luck from here. No, no one says that with, that with their lips, but it's strongly suggested. You know what? The most important thing in your entire journey is praying that prayer. And if you can be like a good person until Jesus comes in the clouds riding on a white horse, then you're good. The gospel is so much more than that. Don't get me wrong. I love salvation. I've spent the best part of two decades traveling around this blue rock God made, talking about Jesus for a living, and nearly every single time I mount a pulpit or stand on a stage, I give people an opportunity to pray a prayer to receive forgiveness from Jesus and life from heaven, but you gotta understand this. That is not the landing zone, that is the launching zone. It ain't the end, it's just the beginning because the Bible makes it clear here. What happens in verse six, it says this, because you are now his sons and daughters, remember, through adoption, God sent the spirit of his son Jesus into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba Father. Break it down. When we say yes to Jesus 
And get this clear, Jesus said yes to you way before you said yes to him. He sends the Holy Spirit into your hearts. And this Holy Spirit isn't a weird house guest. This Holy Spirit isn't just a vibe you feel every now and then during the slow songs. No, the Holy Spirit is Jesus himself living in us and he is crying out. When the Bible says he calls out, it literally means at the top of his lungs, he is booming to us about who we are in him, what we have through him, and what we can do by his grace and for his glory. The Holy Spirit, in a true gospel way, is meant to be crying out to you all the time. Can you hear the Holy Spirit? I know a lot of people at New Spring Church are creeped out by the Holy Spirit. This must be real right now. I had a conversation this week with one of our staff members who just honestly said, hey, Dan, I just get weirded out by the Holy Spirit. I got brought up and I got told that the Holy Spirit was the guy who kind of hung around certain kinds of churches that caused people to jump up and down, fall down, and run around with a tambourine. And that's basically all the Holy Spirit is. And we kind of laugh, but that lie robs so many of the empowerment Come on, that you can't do life successfully without. The Holy Spirit is poured into you, and it cries out to you and transforms everything about you. And unless you get this, you are going to live an unfulfilled, empty Christian life. Without this recognition, you're going to go through your entire journey just thinking that you stamped your pass into heaven and see no transformation in or through your life at all. Unless you understand this, you can find yourself at New Spring Church every single week and not deal with that anger in your heart, that unforgiveness in your heart, that racism in your heart, that bitterness in your heart, that malice in your heart. You can actually go through life untouched and unchanged unless you recognize that the real gospel is God, come on, pouring out the spirit of his son into our hearts, and now he is making a ruckus. How does the Holy Spirit talk to you? If I asked your husband or I asked your wife, how does the Holy Spirit talk to you? What would you say? The full gospel is a Holy Spirit transformation. Can someone say a good amen to that? Can I say transformation? Say transformation like an Australian. Transformation. I taught you. You kind of double down in your southern accent right there. Transformation. No, no, no. It's different. The fake gospel is about salvation being the end. The real gospel says it's just the beginning. And total transformation was meant to be your destination. Thirdly and lastly, write this one down. The fake gospel constantly works for acceptance. The real gospel confidently works from inheritance. That's the reason it says here in verse 7. You are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. The fake gospel says, now you're in the kingdom. You have to keep on hustling to stay a part of this kingdom, and you could never feel confident or safe. You're like a slave. 
A slave's position in the household is contingent on their effort. I'll be honest with you, that's my greatest struggle. I always kind of feel like I need to do more to feel okay with God. And I don't know where it comes from. It might be connected to my culture, like growing up, only ever receiving any level of affection when I did something worthy of a reward. My upbringing where I only got to really interact with my parents when I achieved an A or excelled at sport. And sport meaning table tennis and badminton. I don't know, it just went into my head, so still to this day, I wrestle. Not as much as I used to, but I still wrestle. I feel so good when I feel like I do a good job and I can just sit alone with my thoughts and think to myself, man, God, I made you proud today. Man, you must be smiling on me. But if a talk doesn't go the way that I hoped, I'll sit there in a dark pit for a moment of time, just a moment, wondering if God is displeased. I went through stretches of my journey where I felt like if I stayed away from that sin for like a month, then I would hear God when I prayed to Him. I would feel God when I worshipped Him. But when I stumble, I fall, or I fail, I felt like I got transported to a place in a space a billion miles away. For so many years, my journey with God was up and down, hot and cold. Why? Because I thought I was a slave. But the Bible makes it clear. Come on. The real gospel, everyone say real gospel. The real gospel calls us not slaves, but sons and daughters. And since you are his child, you are now also an heir. You have an inheritance. You don't have to keep on working for acceptance. Now because you are a declared heir, you get to work from inheritance. Have you ever received an inheritance before? One time I did. A distant relative from China I had never met left me a couple of acres of land in China. I wasn't even there for the reading of the will but being the oldest grandson in my part of the family tree, I received a couple of acres. And I can do whatever I want with those acres. I can build a house on it. I can build a couple of holes for golf on it. I can build a deer stand on it and kill me all kinds of China deer. I can do whatever I want. I didn't know I had it, but it's mine. For me to do something with it, all I need to do is possess it. God loved you so much, he sent his son for you to die on a cross and to rise again to give you life and the Holy Spirit and every inheritance he paid for you to enjoy in a room, come on, if you're gonna praise God, you might as well praise Him properly. Come on, on every single campus. Not in a room far away, but on a hill far away. Your inheritance was red. And this is what you get as His child. You get a new name. No longer forgotten, 
no longer overlooked, no longer failure, no longer not as good as your big brother, no longer a dropout, no longer a divorcee. Your new name is this, child of God. Come on, you get an identity. You get a family. Come on, you get a security. Come on, you get some authority. You, got, you get some blessing. You get a purpose. You get all kinds of provision. You get power. You get forgiveness. You get healing. You get freedom. I feel like Oprah. You get, you get, you get, you get. But you get it not because what you have done. You get it because of who you are. So stop striving for something that God came so far to give you. Live from your inheritance. Possess it. And so that's how we're gonna wrap up today. On every single campus, we're gonna allow the Holy Spirit to do a beautiful gospel work. A couple of things are gonna happen. First and foremost, I wanna hear the Holy Spirit speak to me. If you're here today and you're a little bit kind of creeped out or weirded out by the Holy Spirit, again, stop it. The Holy Spirit is just the other counselor that Jesus promised to give to us when he ascended to the Father. He is literally just Jesus with us today. It's not about how good you are, it's how good he is. It's not what you've achieved, it's what he achieved on the cross that promises, come on, the Holy Spirit inside you. So on every single campus, would you just stand to your feet right now? We're gonna finish off this gathering in a really powerful way. It might even include me singing a verse and a chorus of a song, you know what I'm saying? We're gonna get karaoke in this place today, you know what I'm saying? But what we're gonna do is just two simple things. My friends here are going to start worshiping Jesus in song. But what I love you to do on every single campus is just to close your eyes. And I'm not gonna ask you to sing along. I'm just gonna ask you to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I know that a lot of you live busy lives. I know that a lot of your worlds feel really noisy and confusing, but I just wanted to give you like a minute on a Sunday morning to simply say to the Holy Spirit that is living inside of you, if you have received God by faith, I want you to just listen for the Holy Spirit. Listen for His voice. And I promise you, if you listen close enough, you're not hearing the words, you're not good enough. Why did you do that? I don't love you. I'm angry at you. You're gonna hear words like, you're my son, you're my daughter, you're approved of, you're the apple of my eye. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on, just allow the Holy Spirit to talk to you. And then I'm gonna be back in about two minutes time to land this plane, is that cool? But let me pray before we worship Jesus and ask the Spirit, come on, to talk to us. No singing, just us asking the Holy Spirit to talk to us. Father God, we love you. Jesus, we exalt you. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Clear your heavenly throat and speak. Speak to your sons and daughters. Amen.